want to thank Admiral Case and Captain Kuhn, critical partners in the announcement of this uh, important partnership to offer uh, ambulatory procedural care first and then escalating into even more and more care that we can offer to veterans in the Naval Hospital in Pensacola. Big announcement yesterday. This is uh, Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, the Undersecretary for Health at the Veterans Affairs Administration. Yesterday at the uh, VA, I was there with uh, really just like two other, two or three other people. And uh, I mean, there was, they had, they had people with them, but in terms of like, you know, uh, reporters who were covering it and, um, you know, got a chance to really hear some f- I'm amazing news, in my opinion, okay? It's, there's kind of a if-it-all-works-out-the-way-they-plan element to this, but still big announcement yesterday that, um, you know, they're going to start, and actually they have already started providing low-acuity care at the Naval Hospital by the VA. And, look, I know if you don't know much about this terrain, and I genu- genuinely did not. I have tried to learn this before, and I remember thinking, Good Lord, what person designed all of this to make no sense whatsoever? Because there is that feel to it. Um, the short version is that the um, uh, the Defense Health Agency is kind of the overseeing uh, agency for all of the health care provided to active duty members of the military. And even there, you have this weird thing where historically, like, the Navy has had their own facility, and the Air Force has had their own stuff, and the, everybody treats separately. And you think, why why would we need to have separate medical for all these different organizations that are all doing basically the same thing? It seems like you should just have, you know, uh, the the active duty health agency or what they call the defense health agency. Well, that's kind of the move now they're trying to accomplish, but historically has not been the case. So historically, you not only had the separation between veterans, you know, no longer active duty and actual active duty, which makes no sense because, again, they both need medical care. Why would you have separate things? But they had a separate one for all of the different, you know, <laughs> different services, which is crazy. So what they're basically doing here is they're using surplus capacity space and, you know, uh, hospital rooms and operating equipment, things like that, at the Naval Hospital, which is underutilized right now. And they're going to take VA staff and they're going to basically walk across the street and provide in the beginning what the, you know outpatient ambulatory uh, orthopedic bone care to people and they've already started doing and it's going to be more and more over time what they provide the fact is they've already started to treat veterans there for simpler ambulatory procedures and everything from orthopedic care to other types of care that veterans need so that started just a few weeks ago the benefit of this in part is that if you can go to the Naval Hospital, now you don't have to go to Biloxi or Jacksonville. Also, you don't have to go to a community care setting, a private physician or a hospital here in town, which puts stress on those systems because, you know, there's a lot of veterans in this area. And if they can't be handled by the VA, then they're going to, you know, stress the local community providers. We intend with this partnership to expand more and more of that type of procedural care to veterans here so that they don't have to travel to as many private sector institutions for that care and certainly don't have to travel as often to the Biloxi VA main hospital, which is a couple hours away, obviously, from Pensacola. And, um, you know, our news guy, David Wayne, who served in the Army for several years, was making me aware of something I hadn't been thinking about, which is that the um, the reimbursement for transportation costs to and from Biloxi is a pretty expensive thing. It's, you know, runs somewhere on the order of like 100 bucks just in mileage. So every time somebody has to go, and that's not counting a transport if they have to have one. So that's just, just a, like a small example of a way this might be a cost-saving measure. They are going to have to hire new staff at the VA and are already in that process. We know that we need to hire more people to serve veterans here in Pensacola. 
and throughout this region in the Panhandle. But we also need more space. Space is a very important constraint here. And we know that among the easiest ways that we can have our personnel combine forces with DOD personnel is to use underutilized space within DOD facilities. Which is the concept of the partnership. And this is a pilot program here that they intend to expand across the country once they get all of the details and kinks worked out of how it's going to run here. This is the first and I think flagship partnership like this that we're going to try to replicate, by the way, across the country where we are co-located with VA assets, medical centers, and clinics with military treatment facilities. Right. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So we're learning about this yesterday. And one of the things, look, Dr. Elnaha was very transparent, in my opinion, about acknowledging the failures and the shortcomings of the VA system, including obviously wait times are an issue and have been for a long time. Staff onboarding process has been an issue. But this is one of those like easy fixes once somebody came up with it. You know, we've got a facility that'll handle, you know, hospital kinds of conditions and we've got personnel or at least we've got an interest and then we can hire the personnel to staff and use that basically empty floors, you know, at the Naval Hospital. Let's provide care to our veterans and not have to build a facility that's going to take care of them. But also let's do a much better job of explaining to people what their benefits are and reaching out to veterans in this area who may not even realize that they are eligible for the benefits that they are eligible for because they've earned them. We know we need more doctors. We need more providers. We need more accessible care. We need better and more significant outreach and getting folks to understand what services that we offer. I don't view it as the responsibility for veterans to figure out what we offer. It is our responsibility to communicate clearly and effectively to the veterans who earned this care. It's not just care that they qualify for. It is care that they earned. I mean, I remember maybe a month or so ago, they had a, you know, one day come and get tested and screened and get in, in, in onboarded into the VA system. And they had like a thousand people show up, a thousand veterans who maybe didn't realize that they or their family members might be eligible for care. Like it's that level of gap between awareness and practice of who knows that they have uh, eligibility for care. We'll come back to this in just a second. But to me, big announcement yesterday. Jake's got traffic on the fives. Well, Highway 98 is clear from Navarre into Gulf Breeze in Pensacola. Uh, Three Mile Bridge is not showing any delays. Uh, there was a lane closed on the bridge when I came in, but that was uh, that was quite a while ago. So I think you're still looking good on the bridge. Uh, if you're headed into town on Highway 90 from Milton or Pace, you're looking good all the way in. Uh, 10 and 110 are flowing smoothly and nine miles not showing any issues. Uh, this traffic report is brought to you by Fresh from Florida. Ask for Fresh from Florida by name and look for the sunny Fresh from Florida logo at local grocery stores near you. Join the Fresh from Florida club at freshfromflorida.com. Keep your traffic tips coming in to 437-1620, News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. So, again, back to this announcement yesterday from the uh, VA and the Defense, Defense Health Agency, the DHA. Um, and, and, by the way, I just... Make, make a note for you. Um, I am not an expert in this area. In fact, everything I know almost I learned in the last 24 hours. <laughs> so, like, if I say something that's wrong, please correct me uh, for it. And uh, and just to, like, prove the point, I'm embarrassed to have to admit it, but it is true. I had never been even on the premises of the VA facility here. And I still have not been to the VA to the, to the Navy hospital. And I will go. I mean, I realize this is a gap in my knowledge. Um, and I will go, but you know, when I go in there, it's bustling. Oh my God. The number of people who are at the, um, you know, the VA, it's, I, you know, there's no, not so many people anywhere in Pensacola as at the VA on a given day. It was my experience anyway. So very, very active. A lot of people that they're taking care of, uh, Rear Admiral Matthew Case, a two star was there yesterday representing DHA talking about this program. For us, this is our opportunity to partner, um, 
with our next door neighbors here who take care of many of the same patients that we do. And also that for them, this was a simple choice to make. To, I mean, once they realized it, like, oh, duh, of course, yes. This is very easy. We had some space in our building that was not being used. We live, we're across the street from a facility that needs some additional support. We have teams that can do that to support that. And we get to work together, which is the best thing of all. So the goal in all of this, the goal is eventually to make it so that you don't have to go anywhere else or go into the community to get the kinds of services that you would need a hospital for or you know, specialist for that can't be delivered at the VA clinic. That's the idea, and they're building toward that. The goal is to get as close to that as we possibly can over time. And so we're starting by ramping up from something smaller because waiting to deliver what we can already deliver with our personnel would make no sense. And so we're starting with simpler procedures. We're then gonna go to more complex procedures that can still be done on an outpatient basis. And we're looking at opportunities to open inpatient capacity with the units that are not being utilized uh, at the Naval Pensacola Hospital. So uh, that's the mindset, you know, build the assets, build the personnel and become increasingly uh, greater in the services that we offer. Yeah, and again, that's uh, Dr. Nahal talking about this from the uh, VA. He's the Undersecretary for uh, Health at the VA. And that what they're trying to do basically is take the underutilized physical assets that the Naval Hospital has and find a way to utilize them instead of having to develop you know, their own. And it's a cost savings measure, but also an opportunity to develop within house the capability to serve veterans in this way. Dr. Stephanie Rapaski, I believe this is who was talking. If I got her wrong, I apologize. But uh, she's the medical director of the Gulf Coast VA healthcare system. I asked about how many employees this is going to be requiring. And I'm sure they are already well into this process if they've already been delivering some level of care for two weeks. We're hiring approximately 65 staff right now for the first phase. Most of that is nursing staff in addition to anesthesiologists uh, and physicians to complete the surgery, so specialties. But we're also hiring uh, uh, environmental management service staff to do the cleaning, logistics to help with the uh, supplies, pharmacists to help with medication. So it really is the full complement of the team, uh, but largely led with nursing and physicians. And so that process, and there will be far more employees to be hired when they get to the like the full rollout of all the services that they're intending to provide. The Navy is not hiring new staff, and the benefit to the Navy is, of course, the knowledge that they're helping the veterans, but also that their medical staff at the hospital, who transition relatively frequently, I guess is what I was told, uh, they will now be partnered with or in you know collaboration with um, team members who will not transition because they're from the VA. And so there's a kind of steady stream of training and protocol maintenance that will be consistent across the board that will help their staff when they do transition around. And the last thing that, uh, you know, I appreciate Laura Hussey being there from Channel 3. She asked about uh, what about the wait times and delay for appointments, something that they are, of course, well aware of as a problem in the VA. I saw data from Dr. Rapaski earlier today. Uh, we've got issues with wait times in the direct care system right here for certain services. But the comparable wait times for community care was also made clear. It's essentially the same, and it's all too long. So part of what Dr. Rapaski and Dr. McDougall are doing is hiring more personnel internally so that we can get more folks in. And so we had a situation where a number of primary care docs left this area recently and so we have to catch up by hiring more of them as just one example. But when it comes to community care, one of the system-wide goals that I had was to deliver that confirmed scheduled appointment much faster than we had. And so when, we, when I first came onto this position a little over a year ago, 
uh, on average, it was over 30 days to get, just get that scheduled appointment confirmed, let alone what happens next. So Dr. Rapasky showed me data that that's down significantly by almost a third in terms of the time it takes to deliver that scheduled appointment. And then we have to deal with capacity in the community. So what we need to do is make sure we're not the reason that community care appointments are being delayed so that we get our paperwork done, we call the provider, we call the veteran, we just get it scheduled and then coordinate that care faster and better. So it's not just access internally that we have to work on. It's the community care access for sure. So a lot of information. I have questions myself. We'll see how it goes over time, but I'm optimistic that this seems like an improvement in access to health care for our veterans, which is, of course, a major portion of our community. Now, David Wayne is our news guy, but he is also a military veteran from the Army, served in Iraq. Um, you you have encountered this system. <laughs> I have, and it is very frustrating. It really is. Uh, you know, I moved here just about three years ago, not quite three years ago. It took me when I moved here until actually I, I still haven't had my first VA appointment, but oh it's next God. month. It's next month. But so, still, wow. But that, uh, yeah, that is how long of a process it has been. And they were just talking about how a lot of physicians left. Mm-hmm. There's already a lot of veterans here. They had to get, you know, all of the people that were already in their system, plus all the higher priority folks, in, you know, into appointments. But when I uh, when I first got here and I tried to transfer my care from the Iowa VA system here, yeah, it, it was a very long process. I would make an appointment. It would be scheduled six months out. Oh, Three Lord. months before that appointment, it would be canceled and then have to reschedule it and start that whole process again. That went on for about a year and a half oh. before I finally got into the community care system and was able to go get at least routine annual, you know, physicals and that type of thing done. And just, and just, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the particulars, but you know, you were involved in uh, explosive ordinance, right? You know, and so you have things that are related to that, right? Some service connected issues yeah. and that type and, of deal. You know, Absolutely, so just, yeah. which is common enough for people who are, you know, served in active duty veterans. Well, David, as always, thank you so much for your service, and I appreciate the perspective. I know one of your thoughts is that. If this all works, <laughs> I, you can be and I hope it does. But, you know, it really. I'm optimistic. I think they're trying. Let's just hope it it works. Let's hope it comes through. Yeah, very good, David. Thanks for the update. Let's.